you formed your identity to be a good person or a bad person, but when you really got in trouble and needed a Savior, you were in a bad shape. And so you came to God and you asked the Lord to save you from that bad situation you were in. You never dreamt that asking God to save you was going to affect your identity. You didn't have that in your mind. Nobody does. It's further along the way that they finally get some deeper truths. They find somebody that preaches the scriptures. and All of a sudden it opens up to them. Because you know, I believe most every person sooner or later in their lifetime wonders if they're really saved. Things have happened. There's been such a radical thing to attack their mind that they literally wonder, am I saved? Am I really a Christian? They think that. I know most people do. But the reason they think that is that they have no concept. They have no concept about what they must do to make this change. You're going to have to deal with who you think you are. That's why most Christians, when they're out in the world, somebody says, well, where do you, what do you do religiously? They don't say, I'm a born-again child of God. That's what they ought to say. But you know what they say? I'm a Baptist. Well, no further conversation because of pe whirlings. People out in the world say, well, I know what a Baptist is. I've seen that big building down there, and I hear they raise money all the time, and that preacher's always telling them they're going to go to hell. I know all about Baptists, so there's no comment. Nothing to talk about. You said it all. I'm a Baptist. Or I'm a Catholic. Or I'm a Charismatic. You said it all. Well, that's not who you are at all. That's who you think you are. You've made a great sacrifice to learn that, to become a part of that. But that's not who you are at all. So Paul says here, Brethren, I count not myself to have apprehended, to have understood or reached the goal that I want. But in all his writings, he has one little phrase that he doesn't speak of before. He says next, but this one thing I do. We've got to cover it all. We've got to get rid of that self-identity. We've got to get rid of that person you think you are that isn't real at all that's made you an actor. We've got to get rid of it. Get rid of it. And under that one banner, this one thing I do, he gives us the answer. What is the one thing he does? What is the one thing you do in your mind? Forgetting those things which are behind. Well, that's hard, isn't it? All of those things connected with God and His Son Jesus is sooner or later going to have to be forgotten on your part if you're ever to learn Christ in you. 
Now we're talking about a man that's making this mind change right now. He's making a critical mind change. He says, this is it. This is the one thing I got to do, and that's forget the past. Forget that he said unto the two greatest scholars of that day, his rich daddy paid so he could do that. That gave him an up among the Jewish circles. He was somebody. Forget that. He was raised in a wealthy family where he could be both a Roman and a Jew. Forget that. Forget it. Forget that you're of the tribe of Benjamin. Forget it. Forget that you're a Hebrew. Forget it. We got a lot of people in America, Christian people, who do not have the gospel preached to them who want to be Jews now. They want to be Hebrews. You know why? They don't know who they are. So let's take on another identity. I don't know who I am, so if I was a Jew, I got a lot of stuff written about my history here. Four-fifths of the Bible deals with it. I'll be a Jew. Forget it. Forget your past. Forget the money you lost. Forget it. You got Christ in you now. This is a new life. Forget it. Forget the troubles you've had. Forget the hard times you've had. Forget them. Forgetting those things that are past, those things that are behind. Forget them. Boy, it was easy to say all that. But psychologically, you're not fixed so you forget anything. you got a hard drive in your mind and everything that's going in there is still there. You're not going to forget it. Not like I say it. There are things you can't forget. But you know what you got to do? You've got to put them behind you. I'm glad that word is there. You got to put them behind you. All my life I've dealt with people who had bad things to happen to them in their life. And every once in a while, something to be said or done that hit their mind that would trigger that bad thing. A lot of people come to a psychosis over that because a bad thing triggers something in their mind and they just, they just have a bad day. I know a fellow that went into depression every time something was triggered in his mind over what happened in the past. He claimed to be a Christian. I'm sure he was. He probably accepted Jesus as his Savior, but he didn't know Christ. He didn't know Christ was in him. So he kept reliving the past. Why did Paul say, I forget the things that are behind? Because if I don't forget them, I keep living them. You've got to forget certain things religiously.
know the good things that have happened to you are going to always be there but you're going to have to forget them because that was in another life you can't forget them in your mind because your mind is a connection between two lives it's a connection So how is it you forget something that doesn't leave you, that's way behind you, but can be triggered? <clears throat> it's simple. Love. L-O-V-E. That's how you get past them. You love what you are and who you are now in Christ more than anything else. And you stop the love affair you had or the thought life you had with these things in the past. Our generation today is fast being destroyed by psychotic people who cannot forget something bad that happened to them. It grows worse every day. It's a thing I see because I've been akin to that. we got people today who were abused when they were children or abused when they were young persons. Are they going to forget it? No. They come to me and say, well, how can I get past this? Are you born again, I say? Yeah, I guess so. I'm saved. Well, when is Christ going to be your life? That's not your life. Your being abused is not your life. You being in trouble is not your present life. When are you going to live who you are? Because you keep acting out parts of things that have happened to you. You get it? You get what I'm trying to say? Our generation is polluted with people who had a bad past. And I think uh, avarice has spurred most of it along because if you have a bad past and the with the Catholic Church and priesthoods, you get money from it. And so everybody likes that. Or you can sue somebody. I don't care if you're passed with 30 or 50 years ago. There's a court that will take it today because the courts are not what they ought to be. So people's past is ruling our generation and we're creating welfare for all of them. We're creating something so people can exist with bad past. If we were Christians, if we knew what a Christian was, we would put those things behind us. I know you were hurt. But it doesn't matter now. You're a new person. You are a new creature. In Christ Jesus. A new creation. You're a whole new race of people. With a different father. Remember there's only three races of people. In the world. That's the Gentiles and their daddy is Adam. The Jew their daddy is Abraham. And the born again the rebirth. Their daddy is almighty God. The plan is really simple. You are fixed so that you can put anything that's happened to you behind you. 
because that's an old life that's dead. That's what I meant when I said you won't bury. You won't bury the old man. You've got to bury the old man. You've got to get rid of him sometime, someplace. Forgetting those things that are behind. But at the same time, you're forgetting those things behind, you are automatically reaching forth to the things that are ahead. See that last line? Forgetting those things which are behind and reaching forth unto those things which are before, are before us right here now. So in verse 14, Paul says, I press toward the mark. That's, that's the eye that has the final work to do. I forget the past. I apprehend that which is of Christ Jesus, and I press toward it. I go into it. One of our speakers in America had a message not long ago where he said nobody's seeking God anymore. You just don't hear of it much anymore. You hear people organized having a prayer fast or a, a fast, but nobody on their own seeks God anymore where they deal with the I. When I first started preaching, that was much stronger than it is today because a lot of people were seeking God then for ministries. Now, it's not seeking God for a ministry. It's seeking to know the Christ that's in you because once He comes alive in you, you have a ministry for whatever God has made you able to do. It's in you. Every one of you was created by God to bring Him honor and glory. That's in your creation. When Christ becomes the life of that creation, then that flows out. But you've got to give him a mind before he can do that. So Paul said, I press toward the prize of the high calling, which is where? In Christ Jesus. Nothing is done aside from being in Christ Jesus. Let us therefore... As many as be perfect, be thus minded. If in anything you be otherwise minded, God shall reveal this unto you. And you know I have confidence in that last statement. I believe that many of you, if you don't get what it is I'm saying today, will get it later. Even those of you that may be angry with this subject, you're going to get it later. Because I come under the auspices, auspices of the Holy Spirit not to give you idle words, not to give you my thoughts, but to open these scriptures to you, open them up to you, so that you can see who and what you are. So if you don't like it now, you're going to hit it later. It's going to hit you later. It's going to come. Because this is God's word, and he's speaking it to you clearly today, as I can possibly give myself to it. Nevertheless, whereunto we have already attained, let us walk by the same rule, let us mind the same thing. That's it. I didn't tell you here how to be good parents, how to be a good wife, a good husband. I didn't tell you how to be good in business or how to make money. That's a big religious subject now. Everybody's out telling everybody how to make money. I didn't tell you that. 
What I've told you here today very simply was that every one of us have the same need. Every one of us in this room have the same need. And that need is knowing Christ. Knowing Christ. We're going to have to fix our mind, though, to do that. So that's been our sub-subject. Knowing Christ is the big thing. But the thing we got to do is to fix our mind to be able to handle that, to do that. Our minds are not ready for that. So the Spirit is dealing with us on that. Now we're to the key verses by which we shall quickly finish. Two key verses. He says, Brethren, be followers together of me, and mark them with so mark as you have us for an example. This scripture and seven others like it in Paul's epistles, eight different times in his epistles, he says in these same words, Follow me as I follow Christ. Isn't that simple? Do you understand the simplicity of that statement? That God would allow that to be put in a holy book? Not any other human has ever been given that responsibility in God's Word. Jesus of Nazareth came the closest when he said, Follow me and I'll make you fishers of men. I'll, I'll make you have ministries. It's not the same. Paul said, follow me as I follow Christ. Why did he say that? Why did he say it again and again? He said it because I'm the only one who knows this, so listen to me. Isn't that simple? You're going to split an atom and listen to Einstein. You understand? He's the only one that knows this. Jesus gave it to him and told him to give it to others. So he says at least eight times in different ways, do it like I do it, do what I say, and several times he says, follow me as I follow Christ. That's the simplicity of this. Following Jesus by Paul. That's why Paul says to rightly divide the word of truth. Why? Because you're not going to get the message anywhere but from him. One of the first things you're going to have to do if you come to who you are in Christ is to separate yourself from a lot of scripture that has you befuddled, has you upset. If you listen to Paul, he'll lead you right to Christ. He'll lead you to the Christ in you. He'll give you the full gospel. He'll give you the word. But he makes no pretense about it. He says the word needs to be rightly divided. And as I told you in the first day here, many of you need to rightly divide the word between Israel and the church. Because if you don't do that, you're going to always be frustrated over scripture what Paul says to you is to people who have Christ in them and nobody else in the Bible does that now John leans in that direction in his epistle and certainly in his, in his epistles and he also leans somewhat in his gospel that's okay but you need to follow Paul because Jesus didn't earmark anybody else 
And in fact, John is the best at it because he lived longer than anybody else in the Scriptures, and he had Paul's books available to him, and he knew. Five times he says that the birthing is necessary for you to be a Christian. Five times. He said, whoever is birthed by God cannot commit sin. That's why Paul said, you're perfect in spirit, because Christ, as you, commits no sin. So you see, you've gotten yourself separated right down to where the Scriptures have to be rightly divided. Now, all Scriptures of God, and all Scripture is good at a point, but not all Scripture will tell you who you are in Christ. That's significant, you see. Follow me as I follow Christ, Paul would say. Next verse 18, and we'll be through. For many walk, of whom I've told you often, and now tell you even weeping, that they are enemies of the cross of Christ. You know what an enemy of the cross is? It's somebody that preaches you can be saved aside from the cross. Did you know that nobody else in the Bible teaches that you can be saved by and at the cross but the Apostle Paul? His six major references to the cross are the only references post-Calvary that is in the writings of the New Testament. One or two others mention it. Like Peter says, in a strange way, this same Jesus whom you crucified is both Lord and Savior. That's as close as he got to it. But he's talking to the Jews there. He is not inferring that the cross is where we're saved. Paul is harsh on those that do not preach the cross. He says in the next verse, their end is destruction, God is their belly, their glory is their shame, and they mind, M-I-N-D, earthly things. You know who he's talking about? He's talking about Christians in his day that didn't preach the cross. I've had a number of television friends. I asked one of them point blank one time, why is there more preaching on television? The world needs to know uh, on television about the cross. The world needs to know about Christ dying on the cross for them. Oh, he said, we can't preach that. Our money will never come in if we give them a bloody gospel. He was honest. I prayed for him since. He was an honest man. That's the way they look at it. They're enemies of the cross. They know Christ as Savior but the cross makes a whole difference in our lives when it is understood. Enemies of the cross. If you don't like this, you're going to need the cross one day. You're going to need it. I preached a conference one time in Montana. <coughs> a little lady was there who was ex-missionary and she was on a field here in Africa. And during their tenure on the fear, her husband had gone down with disease. She had two sons that picked up 
and carried on, and both of them in time were killed by disease. And then the missions department wanted to bring her home. She's not fit to stay on the field alone. But she said, I will stay here. She did stay as long as she could. Now she was back home. She came to a conference where I preached the cross. And I tell you, the audience was full of preachers, and it became deathly still because I had an insinuating idea that many of them were behind in preaching the cross. When it was over, <coughs> she came up to me, and she said, you know, people often wondered how I carried on. I lost my husband, two sons, and finally had to leave the work I was in myself. But she said, you know what I discovered? If I picked up the cross when I could, when I couldn't, the cross carried me. She had it. Because when he was nailed to that cross, you were in him. And you too were nailed to that cross. If the cross can't carry us as Christians, into the fullness of Christianity, he died in vain. And Paul called those who would not preach the cross enemies. Good people. They were good people. Nobody else wrote about it except John. Good people. But Paul said they're enemies of the cross. Why? Because as the preacher said, there's a benefit to not preaching the cross. A lot of people can't handle it. If you can't handle it, I love you and I pray for you so know somebody cares for you. That's it. I can say no more on this subject now, but I could talk endlessly on the subject. Believe it. Believe it. You're the greatest group I've ever seen. Would you please stand? Please stand. Look over at that neighbor next to you. That's where Jesus... Where's my neighbor? Come up here, neighbor. Look at that person next to you. That's where Jesus lives. That's where Jesus is right now. comes my neighbor. <laughs> this is why we sing this song, because if we've gone through all of this and you don't see Jesus in others, and you don't see Jesus in yourself, we've still got a long way to go. Amen? Amen. Well, I see Jesus in you. I see Jesus in you. In your life and all that you do. I see Jesus in you because I see Jesus in me. I see Jesus in me, in my mind, all that I do. I see Jesus in me. That's it. Hug every neck you can. Amen.